We continue today in the book of Acts, chapter 15, second half of chapter 15, beginning in verse 22. What we saw last week uh, was a pretty important moment in the history of the church as the leaders in Jerusalem decided what to, to official word to give to Gentile believers who had just been entering the church in large numbers. This is the first time, of course, that had happened. We had saw throughout the book of Acts, earlier in the book of Acts, excuse me, that Gentiles had, had entered in here and there, but after with Paul and Barnabas's mission trip, we have a greater number of Gentile people entering the church. The church, of course, at its foundation had been just Jewish people at its beginnings, and so they're going to figure out how are these two going to come together and be able to live together in harmony when their beliefs had previously been very different. Jewish people, of course, had been much more conservative, had believed in, in just one God, where these Gentiles had believed in all kinds of gods and goddesses and had lived all kinds of I've done all kinds of things in life that the Jewish people would never have done. And so they're trying to, to bring this group together in one, which is not as easy as it, as it may seem. So we're going to continue this, this same idea, the same theme today in Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 22. It says this, And the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. With them, they sent the following letter. So the, the leaders in Jerusalem, of the Jerusalem church, which is kind of the headquarters, essentially, of the church, are going to send some people to, to Antioch, which had become the headquarters for the missionaries. Paul and Barnabas had left from there. The church there had, had been the first one to be willing to send people out into the world. And so they're going to send them up to Antioch to give them the message of, hey, those of you who are ministering and, and missionaries to Gentile people, this is what the, the church has decided to do. And we saw that last week, but it will be repeated here today as well. It says they, they chose Judas, who's called Barsabbas, and Silas. Judas is possibly a brother of, of Joseph, who we saw in Acts chapter 1, verse 23. We know Barsabbas, which is what he says he's called, means son of the Sabbath. So Judas certainly has a Jewish background. Silas, on the other hand, is a leader of the Jerusalem church and a prophet and is a Roman citizen, which that will will be really important as we go about. If you don't, don't know, during this time when Romans ruled most of the world, being a Roman citizen gave you a certain amount of clout that you just didn't have otherwise. And, and Paul and Silas and some of those who are going to have that are going to benefit from that, as you'll see as we go throughout the book of Acts. So they're going to send them up with Paul and Barnabas, the church in Antioch, and they sent them with this letter, and the letter said this. The apostles and elders, your brothers, the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Sicilia, Greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and distributed, disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. Same thing we saw last week, the same requirements, those four things that they asked them to, res to restrain from and to pull back from, which in the, in the world they lived in was not a big ask. They're not asking them to change their entire lifestyle. What they're asking them to do is to make some small changes. The thing I wanted to point out to you is right in the middle of this, as this letter, remember this letter they're sending with the authority of the Jerusalem church, trying to say this is what we've decided, this is what we think is right. 
right in the middle, verse 25. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, verse 26. Men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The church in Jerusalem sends people who aren't just about talk, but who live it. And that's what we've seen throughout the book of Acts. Is that God is asking people to be faithful in their lives. To not just give lip service to to a movement, but to, to have it here and to make sure it comes out, our mouths, our hands, and our feet. And when they send this letter, they say, we're saying this with people who have, who have literally risked their lives for this message, who have been willing to give everything for it. We aren't sending people who have just talked about it. And there's something that we, we realize, I think especially when we get to our teenage years, is that there are people in life who can talk a great game, and there are people in life who don't have to talk a great game, who just are. And we need to separate those two people. There are all kinds of people who will talk it up. They'll tell you about their accomplishments. Some of them may be great and some may not have ever happened. And there are some people who just put their head down and work and who do what they're asked to do. I'd much prefer to be around the second group than the first. I don't know about you. I remember people who are just willing to do their job, who just step in and get it done. And what we see from the early churches, that was the early churches made up of, is people who are willing to just get it done. As you're going to see throughout the book of Acts, it, and as we've already seen in this short section of the first missionary trip, is that Paul and Barnabas are going to face all kinds of obstacles. All the things are going to be thrown at them. And what are they, what's the consistent thing that they just keep on doing? They just put their head down and they go to work every day. There's something to be said about that, the willingness to just grind. Because Paul and Barnabas, the, mission trips that they, the first mission trip they went on was a grind. And the second trip we're going to read about here shortly, and then the third trip after that are going to be grinds as well. They're hard and they're difficult, and they face all kinds of obstacles, just like you. Our lives are never going to be all smooth. It's just not going to work out that way. It's when the road gets a bit troubled, and when things aren't quite as easy, what we find out who we really are. What we're we're seeing here is the church is sending out people and is trusting the leadership of the church to people who are willing to do the hard work, willing to sacrifice, who are willing to, to put their necks out for this message. Most of them, of course, as we know now, on this side of history, are going to die for this message, for this good news. They're going to actually give their lives for it, so their talk isn't, isn't cheap. I just thought that was something to point out in this section. That it's men and, and, and women who are willing to sacrifice is where the, church, the foundation of the church, the backbone of the church, has always, always been. The story continues in Acts 15, verse 30. So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. People read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Again, what do we see? People who are willing to just go to work and do the job. This next section is what gets us a little interesting. Verse 36, 37, and 38 says this. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now, if you've been here through the entire series of Acts, you know that on Paul's and Barnabas's first missionary trip, there was an attempted murder that they tried to kill Paul and Barnabas. 
Now Paul tells Barnabas, hey, let's go back to those towns since they were so wonderful and so great to us. And they were so encouraging and uplifting. Let's go back there and do that again. And Barnabas is probably thinking, this guy's got something wrong with him. That's what Barnabas says in verse 37. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with him. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Barnabas says, okay, let's do it because he's got something wrong with him as well. He says, let's bring Mark, John Mark with us, with us this time. Now, John Mark, if you don't know, is the author of the Gospel of Mark. And the reason Paul's having some reservations is this is what happened earlier in the book of Acts. Chapter 13, verse 13. On the first missionary trip, when they sailed from they sailed from up, up to up north from Paphos. Paul and his companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. They had just started the missionary trip, and John goes home. Now, there's a couple of theories why. I teased when we read this section to begin with that maybe he just missed his mom, and that's possible. Maybe he was just homesick. Remember, in the ancient world, most people didn't travel very far. Most people didn't have means of, of a horse or carriage to get them someplace, so they, they generally stayed fairly close to their home. So it's certainly possible that John wanted to go home just because he missed mom, and he missed home. It's also possible that maybe he wasn't nearly as comfortable with Gentile people as he maybe thought he was going to be. He remember he'd grown up in Jerusalem his entire life in a very conservative Jewish environment, and so when you go to these Gentile cities and they practice and do all kinds of things that are very uncomfortable to him, it's possible that the culture of these cities and these, and these people it got to him, and he said, I, I just, I got to go home. I can't do it. Whatever it is, we know he left. He went home. And if we know anything about Paul, he doesn't forget all that much on all that quickly. Paul is someone, who, I, I think, from uh, the portrait we have of him in the book of Acts and through the other letters he wrote, is that type A personality. Paul is going to go, and he's going to go, and he's going to go. He's going to drive, and he's going to push. And he thinks about John Mark, and he thinks, I think he's kind of weak. I don't think he has what it takes to do the job that we're set out to do. And we can understand why Paul would think that way. Now, Barnabas is John Mark's uncle. And Barnabas wants to bring him along, wants to disciple him. Barnabas is an encourager. That's, that's, that's his personality. They're two very different personalities, which is probably good, because if they were the same, they probably wouldn't get along all that well. Barnabas wants to, to bring John Mark along and have him grow as a young man in the faith. And Paul doesn't. And we have a wonderful lesson here in Acts chapter 15 of what you do when you have a disagreement. Because it's going to happen. And this is what happens in verse 39, 40, and 41. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left committed by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Barnabas and Paul, this great duo that had this first missionary trip that sings all, sees all these Gentile believers come to know this Jesus, have a disagreement about John Mark. And the disagreement is so great that they say, I'm done. You go your way, I'll go my way. How often, as Christians, do we get this wrong? That when we have a disagreement with someone, we take it personal. Like, like, they're, like they're disagreeing with us and every fiber of our being. And when they eat at us and bother us into a point where we, we damage that relationship to a point where it's nearly impossible or impossible to repair. 
Paul and Barnabas disagree, and they disagree about something pretty serious. And Barnabas or Paul, one of them, we don't know the circumstances, drew a line in the sand and said, no. They said, okay, then we're done. We're done. Doesn't mean that they, they hate each other. Doesn't mean that they'll never speak to each other again. Just means that they have a disagreement and they go their separate ways. This happens in life all the time, doesn't it? We have that disagreement. We don't see eye to eye and things can go south. But God takes the good and the bad. And his purposes can be worked through them both. Because now, instead of one really great missionary team, we have two. See, God takes our junk. God takes our disagreements. God can even take our sin. And he can turn it into something great if we let him. And so now, instead of having Paul and Barnabas going here and there, we have Paul and Silas. And we have Mark and Barnabas. Two great teams instead of having just one. As you see, Barnabas and Mark sell for the island of Cyprus, which is after Cyprus is where Mark left them the first time. And Paul and Silas decide to stay on the ground, and they're going to go by foot from Syria to Sicilia and then back towards those churches that they went on the first missionary trip. And what do we have? Two teams going two different directions, taking the good news with them everywhere they go. This story brings me great comfort that God can take our junk and turn it into gold. That God can take the disagreement, that God can take the whatever it is we've messed up with, our pride, our ignorance, our arrogance, he can take it and he can take, make it something good. God has always and will always take dead things and give them life. Whether it's a disagreement, whether it's the words that we spoke that we know we shouldn't have, whatever it is that we've done or said, God can take that thing if we let him if we remain faithful and turn into something great. And if you don't believe me, think back to your own life. The greatest lessons you have probably learned in life was not when you won. It's not when you had the greatest success, but it's when you failed. It's when you lost. Because if all you ever do is win, you'll never learn because you think you've got it all figured out. But it's in our losses, it's in our failures that we realize that we're imperfect, that we need help. You've obviously had that thought or you wouldn't be here. Because if you thought you were perfect, you'd have no need for this church. At some point, you had a realization that you don't have it all together. That your closet, that there might be a skeleton or two in there. That your hands aren't clean. And so you're here. Because you've recognized your own failure. This could have, this could have crumbled the church. Remember, the church is a baby right now. It's brand new. And people could have taken sides, Paul's side or Barnabas' side, and this could have literally cracked the very foundation of the church into the point where it's done and over with. But instead of that happening, it strengthens it. They take a negative and turn it into a positive. And now the gospel goes even further places than it would have if they wouldn't have disagreed over John Mark. I want to read you something here. In just a second that I think will bring you great, great encouragement. Second Timothy 4.11, as Paul is about to 
Well, he's about to die. He's about to be executed. And the last, ride, last letter he writes, excuse me, in the New Testament is 2 Timothy. And he knows that if you read the letter from beginning to end, you'll sense the tone from the very beginning, that it's serious. That as Paul writes to Timothy, who's a young man that Paul has discipled, he's mentored, you can tell he's, it's, it's a farewell letter. And at the very end, where Paul gives his personal remarks, kind of, hey, say hi to this person, or say, this person's coming, or have this person do that, this is what it says. 2 Timothy 4, beginning in verse 9, Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me, and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark, and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. As Paul writes his last letter we have in the New Testament, as death is coming and it's coming quickly, who does he ask for and why? And why was it that Paul and Barnabas split ways? They had such a sharp dis- disagreement that they parted company over who? Over Mark. The story is about redemption, is it not? That's what, that's what the whole story is about, by the way. And spoiler alert, right? From beginning to end, that's, that's the point. It's about redemption. And we have Paul and Barnabas who, who disagree. Paul thinks so lowly of John Mark that he goes, he's not coming with me. And Barnabas says, okay, well, then I'm done. That they literally split. They've gone through some stuff together, Paul and Barnabas, had they not? Their lives had almost been taken from them. And there has to be a pretty good-sized disagreement for them to split and go their own separate ways. And yet at the end of his life, when others have deserted him, when others have gone astray, who does Paul ask for? Mark. Well, why? Because failure isn't failure until we let it dictate our entire life. And John Mark looked at himself in the mirror and goes, Paul didn't want me. Because I gave up, I quit but he stuck to it. Instead of letting his own failure, John Mark's own failure, get him down, he said, I'm going to show Paul. I'm going to show him what I can do. He doesn't believe in me now. I'm going to make sure he believes in me later. And a fire was lit in his belly. And it just makes me wonder if Paul, who is a very intelligent man, didn't know that from the get-go. And looked at John Mark as a little mommy's boy and said, you know what? We need to make him into a man. And if we just keep letting him get away with his stuff, he's not going to become a man. So let's push him. Let's see what he's made of. And I think John Mark took the challenge and said, Paul, I'll show you what I'm made of. You don't believe in me? You don't want to take me with you? Just wait and see what I'll do. And the fire was lit. And John Mark is faithful. And when Paul is about to die, he says, bring John Mark with you. I want to see him one last time. And the words I know in, in Timothy don't seem that like emotional, but for, for Paul to say, bring him to me because he is youth, youthful, useful excuse me, in my ministry is about as great as a compliment as the Apostle Paul will give anybody. Because what he's saying, Paul is saying, bring Mark to me because he gets it, because it's here, because the fire is burning and it can't be put out. This whole story is a beautiful story of disagreement, of parting ways, and coming back together. 
And as Christians, we have to be known for that, don't we? We, we can disagree with people. We don't, have to not, we, we don't have to be spineless. We can say, I, I don't like what you're doing, and this is why. I know it, in our culture and our world, that has become difficult. To say, this is what I believe is true, and I'm going to stick by that. Our society has, for some reason, has, has attacked truth in, in very profound ways. And this idea that, that my truth can be different from your truth is just nonsense. That's not, that's not true. Truth has always been truth, and it will always be truth. We don't define the terms of that. God does. God gets to define it. We don't. And so there's going to be times in your life where you're going to come in a disagreement with someone because you're going to say, no, this is what I believe is true, and they're going to say, no, this is what I believe is true. That disagreement doesn't have to mean we part ways and we never talk again. We can stand and draw the line in the sand and say, no, this is what I believe. If you believe something different, that's great, but this is my belief and my conviction, I'm going to stay to it. And you just never know what God will do with that. Because Paul, I think, drew the line in the sand of Barnabas and said, John Mark isn't coming, and yet as he's about to die, he says, bring John Mark to me. I want to see him one more time. This whole story could have turned out completely opposite. John Mark could have got bitter and upset and gone home and proved Paul right. So I'm going home to my mom and I'm not coming back here again. He could have thrown a temper tantrum, couldn't he have? But he doesn't. He sticks with Barnabas and learns. And Paul could have said, that John Mark, he's useless. I never want to see that guy again. But he doesn't do that. He sees that John Mark has risen to the occasion and goes, all right, bring him to me. I want to talk to him one more time. Tell that kid how great a job he did. The kind of man he has become. The lesson I take from this, and I don't know about you, is perseverance and character. James tells us that those two go hand in hand, don't they? That when we persevere, when we, when we keep pushing through those difficult times, that God will do something inside of us. He builds something in us. We would call that character. Because character isn't found just when things are going well. Character is found when things are not going our way. And what we can say about Barnabas and Paul, Silas, Timothy, and even John Mark, is they developed character. And they developed it the hard way. Trials and tribulation. And, and we think of our trials and tribulations, and some of them may be great. You, I don't know what you've been through in life. You maybe have been through some, some serious junk. You've had to push through stuff that was difficult and hard. My, my encouragement to you would be to lean on the same God that Paul and Barnabas and Silas and Timothy and John Mark leaned on almost 2,000 years ago when they were going through some junk. And things didn't go their way. They leaned on God, not on their own understanding, not on their own strength, but on his understanding and his strength. And they're in the book. Not because they were great. Not because they were the smartest or the best, the most handsome or the thinnest. They're in the book because they were faithful. That's it. They made it here because they had it here. Can the same be said of us? Do we have it here? We can have it here all we want, but if these two don't connect, what's the point? They had it here, and nothing could stop them. And the fire that burnt deep inside them could not be put out.
no matter what. Even when people try to take their lives, and they tried many times, and as you're going to see in the book of Acts, they're going to try some more. And the fire could never be put out. Because they believed with every fiber of their being that Jesus was who he said he was. He was the Savior of the world. And that his sacrifice on the cross covered the sins of everybody who had ever lived and whoever would live. And that the tomb couldn't keep him, the grave could not hold him, and he came back to life three days later, giving each and every one of us the hope of that eternal life with him. Because if they didn't believe it, they didn't think it was true, they would have went home a long time ago. But every fiber of their being said, I know it's true, and nothing can stop us from sharing that good news. And it's because of them that we're here today. Let us not be the last generation of people who, who bend the knee to this King, Jesus. It's our job to carry on that legacy and take that good news with us everywhere we go to bring hope and love and mercy and grace to people who are in desperate need, hope of love, of mercy and grace. We have a world that needs Jesus more now than ever. Who's going to give it to them? Who's going to bring Jesus to them? The answer is look in the mirror. It's us. It's us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come here today to worship you in spirit and truth, to lift our hands and our voices to you in praise, to, to take the elements, the bread and the grape juice, as we remember your perfect and whole sacrifice, God. We thank you for your word, which brings us life, God, and your good news. We ask that you would help us to share it wherever we go, to bring hope to the hopeless, to love to the unloved, to mercy to those who are in desperate need of it, to compassion who, to those who have fallen off life's path. God, we thank you that you love us so, and we just ask that you would Help us and give us courage to give your good news to everybody. To bring your words to them so that they might have life and life to the fullest. God, again, we thank you. We love you. And we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. It's in your son Jesus' powerful and healing name we pray and all God's people said.